Hello friends and welcome to Talking Transformative Love, the podcast that talks vocation, love and mission, celebrating the valiant woman that was Mary Ward. Before we get into this episode, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country, all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people across Australia, paying our deepest respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello friends, welcome back to Transformative Love Podcast. And today we have Helen Thomas, who is the Director of Mission here at Loretto Caribilli. Helen, thank you for, I guess, organising for us to, to be here today. I know that you were involved in the process of booking this space out, so that was amazing. And it's good for us to be here as well on these beautiful grounds and sacred grounds. Helen, from... All of our conversations with each other, we obviously know that we both come from, you know, Arabic backgrounds. That's um, right. And you were born in Lebanon uh, and you're from a Maronite Catholic faith, which we can talk about that a bit um, for people who don't know what that means, <laughs> which I'm sure has shaped who you are today. So tell us about your childhood growing up in Australia and Lebanon. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It's, yeah, it's, it's a real pleasure. For me too. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it's interesting because if this was 40 years ago, mm. I would have to explain the Maronite yeah. faith. But um, uh, now, now with the uh, influx of Maronites and yes. Lebanese to Australia and our a number of churches that we have in Australia, it's a, and certainly in Sydney anyway, it's something that is normal, very normal yes. if, as, and part of the uh, Australian Catholic Church, you could yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. And um, culture. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And uh, But when we were in Australia back in the uh, mid, mid to late 60s and early 70s, you know, there weren't any Maronite churches around in South right. Australia mm. and that's where we lived when we first came to Australia. I was two years old and we had a house that my earliest memory is, is our house which was 50 metres from the church and the school where yes. I went to school. Mm. So I just walked, walked up to church, walked up to school and had my yeah. first Holy Communion in, Smaller communities in a very, and yeah. yes, and it was right in the middle of the city. Yeah, so we lived beautiful? in the city but Interestingly enough, I was Maronite when I was baptised and then I had my first Holy Communion as a, in a Roman Catholic church. Yes. And then I, and then I had my confirmation in the Catholic church yeah. as well, but I've actually been double and, confirmed. And where did you get married? I got married in a Roman Catholic church because yeah. I married a Roman Catholic. So, yes. so I could have gone either way, yeah. but I just, I just felt like I would, I would have preferred the Roman Catholic church. Um, yeah, service yeah, the ma sure. the um, marriage mm. ceremony, yeah. But um, yeah, I grew up obviously being uh, immersed in the Maronite faith, but also in the Roman Catholic faith in mm. terms of my schooling. But then it was more, I suppose, as a young adult that the Maronite Church drew drew me and my family, and as a as a young adult, so we were involved in um, the church in Punchbowl and in Redfern and that was mainly because there was the the youth masses on yeah and the, yeah and it's the where singing. you can meet people yeah and you yeah that's right <laughs> exactly where all yeah. the love stories that's, happen that's exactly right where did you meet him at church so yeah some were good some were bad yeah that's all right that's the story <laughs> yeah, that's right so some of the priests the Maronite priests were very 
like they were youthful, they wanted to build a youth community, they wanted the Lebanese Maronites who were born in Australia to continue to have that connection yes. with, mm. their, with their Maronite heritage. Yeah. And, it, and it is continuing to today. It Even is. though I'm not involved in it, it's I know a, in fact mm. both in Melbourne and in Sydney it yeah. is big. And, and it's a beautiful tradition because I come from the Chaldean yes. Eastern Rite tradition and that's our, I guess that's our common thing is that we come from uh, a different Eastern, Catholic right, yeah, yes, and Eastern, Eastern right churches, yeah. yeah, with a lot of richness and history. True, um, we've got beautiful liturgies. I've been to the Maronite Church a number of times in in Melbourne. Yeah, haven't been to the one in Sydney yet, but yeah, I just love the richness of uh, yeah. the liturgy and and all the history and obviously ch- those churches have faced a lot of persecution. Yeah, but I I always say I think. People like you and I are quite lucky in the sense that we stand on on two traditions, Absolutely. the Eastern and yeah. the Western. Yeah. So that's I guess that shaped yeah. a lot a lot of who you are, your yeah. your Maronite background. That is true. And it, it's helped with that I guess that traditional side that I have in terms of uh, I, I'm a little bit of a liturgist. Well, yeah. I like that that traditional side, but yeah. I'm also been I have also been influenced by mm the a contemporary church that exists in yes. Australia and our, our influence of contemporary music has certainly been something that's really drawn me to, I suppose, the Roman Catholic Church and our Australian church. And we say Roman Catholic, but really where the Australian church has its own uniqueness as well. It does, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and that that's something that I'm really, really drawn to and, and find yeah, a lot of solace in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the the Maronite liturgy is beautiful. It's the other side, the the tradition, the traditional side of their their practices that are, that is sometimes challenging. It's the challenges that I find in the Maronite Church that I suppose have drawn me away and yes and yeah. um and also being a Catholic school teacher. Yeah, you you know you're yeah. in a in a different environment. No, and I understand that because, you know, the Chaldean tradition is similar in the sense our liturgy is so profound and the words are so stunning. Yeah. So when I sit in a Roman Catholic mm. liturgy, I actually find it a bit dry. And, yeah, and, that's uh, exactly right. It sits yeah. on the intellect kind yeah. of way, but whereas the Eastern tradition has this poetry and uh, beauty in it, um, and there's a lot of body movement that's that takes place in the liturgy, and I love that. But there are obviously things that I, you know I don't um, align with as yeah. much as I used to. Yeah. Uh, but that's why that's that's why I say we're both so lucky because yeah. we could pick the, both worlds. The best really. of both, both worlds. Yeah. yeah that yes. is so true. That is so. absolutely true. And I remember being in Jerusalem and going to a Shabbat service, and like listening to the chanting yes and just mm. thinking this is just like the eastern rites at yeah, christian church yeah. beautiful and so our connection to judaism is a li- is so much more profound in the in the eastern rite yes and and it's just so beautiful yes you can see the split how it happened and how the eastern churches have just 
taken on a lot of those rituals and, and ceremonies and the sounds, the beautiful prayers and the sounds that come out of the Eastern Rite churches yeah. also come out of the, the yeah, Jewish, yeah. The, yeah, the Hebrew scriptures. Mm. Beautiful. And I, and I love that. I love that diversity. And I think often, the, you know, popes have really encouraged that the Eastern churches keep yeah. their liturgies and, and yeah. preserve them because they're so ancient and so true and beautiful and stunning. Yeah. Um, now, tell us a little bit about the the Lebanese food that you cook. Oh. I love food. <laughs> this is a sidestep, but but uh, I like you. Look, I love the Lebanese culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I love Lebanese music. I listen to Lebanese music oh, all right. the time. Okay. I'm in, I love Lebanese shows. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, and I've never been to Lebanon, but it's my ultimate dream yeah. to go to Lebanon. Tell yeah. us a little about Lebanese food. Uh, you know, what do you cook? What do you uh, love? Well, I cook whatever is easy. Yes. I would cook Lebanese food if it is quick and easy. Yes. And I'm talking about no way during the week. Mm. Midweek, yeah, it's a enough. weekend. It's You're a weekend. Seven task. p.m. No, you? that's right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm here very late, and I don't do the cooking during the week. My husband does the cooking yes. during the week. Mm. So, if I'm going to cook Lebanese food, it's the weekend. You know, I take my I take my time. Sometimes, if it's something really big, yes. it's usually with uh, my sister that we would we would cook. Yes, and um, our mum never wanted us in the kitchen. Yeah. We were both career women. My my sister mm. and I. Um, and uh, if the boys weren't in the kitchen, then why should the girls be in the kitchen? Yeah, so um, we didn't cook at home. And then, of course, we have Lebanese cookbooks and remember what our mums did and, yeah. and we do it that way. So, But, yeah, I'm, I, cook, I cook what I can yeah. um, and I know how to cook a lot of the stuff, but it's, yeah. it's very time-consuming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and food is, I guess, part of our culture. And, I, and we like to fusion it, yeah. can I just say. Like there is... Um, <laughs> There's the Mediterranean yeah. Lebanese food, which is with the fusion of Italian and Greek, oh, that's and then beautiful. there's the um, the Asian Lebanese yeah. fusion. So we, be, being married to uh, Irish, Catholic, Scottish, English, you name it, he's a bit of a mix. Yeah. He he likes to cook as well, and he likes the fusion. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. We look forward to a meal at yeah. your place. <laughs> <laughs> so. Helen, you were educated by nuns and you're still surrounded by them, it seems, um, <laughs> in a number of schools. Tell us how you found yourself in the Loreto family. I used to call it the Loreto world, but yeah. I think now I'm moving to family. I don't know why. Um, who is Mary Ward to you and what do you love about Loreto education? It's a big question, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I didn't know anything about Mary Ward until Anna... Dickinson yes. was um, appointed here as principal and Anna and I have known each other for a very long time and um, when she was appointed into the, this position she spoke to me briefly about who Mary Ward was and I kind of went yeah whatever and yeah, I yeah. just didn't, <laughs> didn't take much notice of it of course until I was appointed yeah. <laughs> to work here and then I read so much. There were like so many books on the bookshelf that my predecessor had left so that I read that Anna had given me. And then I met the sisters and yeah, I absolutely fell in love with Mary Ward. But 
nothing compared to actually going on the pilgrimage. I know yeah. you're going to ask me about it, but <laughs> I might just jump yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. That was where I, it was a huge insight because it connected, first of all, with my knowledge of the time yes. and Reformation. Yes. But also what an amazing, strong woman she was that just went, oh, I'm just going to do what I want. Yeah, and yeah. That's, Precisely. That's what was mm. going to happen. And I don't care. I got arrested. Yeah, I got arrested. But God will make, you know, it work. make it work. And God will help and do your best and God will help. That's one of her quotes that I think I, I used to give it to you 12s before they went into an exam. Yeah. She was just an amazing young woman for yes. her time. Mm. Like you don't, you know, you see some of that being passed on. Yeah. Every now and then you find that some of these beautiful girls take up challenges yeah. and say, I just want to do what I want. I want to help people. Yeah. That's the most important thing. And it's her, I guess it's her um, trust in God yeah. that things will turn out. Yeah. I think it, it, it is, she's such a courageous person to do what she'd done and in the sense that, you know, it, it was a, a world where... You know, you've got the church that was saying, no, women can't do this. Yeah. You've got the wars that were happening at that time, the suppression of Catholic groups. Yeah. Yet somehow Mary Ward, with obviously with God's grace, was able to just go, well, no, women can do anything they want to do. That's right. And she had oppositions from even people who were close to her. So it was, it was so hard for her. And I think that... When you have such, I don't know, tenacity and and ability to just overcome all that yeah. and just say, no, I'm just going to go ahead. You're emulating like the sacrifice of what Jesus did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Jesus could have easily said, no, no, it's okay. I'm not really the son of God. Please yeah. don't kill me. Yeah. No. He stood by what he believed he in. He believed in. So yeah, it does come down to those it, yeah. values yeah, that's that we why believe in. We've got a, those values really are brilliant. That whole that whole um, idea of, of verity and and, yeah. and felicity. What a great value! I uh, know. Yeah. yeah. That, that faith can be fun. Yeah. <laughs> that believing in God yeah, can right. also be joy. joyful. Yeah. Joyful. Yeah. I mean, you know, Pope Francis knew what he was talking about. He was saying, like, he was saying to his priests, "Enjoy, joy enjoy of the, the gospel." gospel. He was mm. saying, you know. Don't be so down. Yeah. You know, preach the gospel with mm. joy. Enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and that's what I find in Loretto Sisters is that there is this sense of I'm going to enjoy my life. You know, yeah. I'll do, I mean, I, I'm called to this vocation. Yeah. I'll do the work, but I'm also going to enjoy yeah. my time whilst doing it. And so it's true. not about yeah. choosing one or the other. And sometimes I think, as Catholics, we get a bit serious about our faith and mm. think, oh, I need to do this this way. or, But it's actually about just enjoy the ride while you, you know, don't make it so serious. That's right, yeah. Um, but that's what I've, I think that, you know, that felicity value is so important for mm. our world today. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for young people too. Yeah. Because... They still don't, and I will, And this is why this is why I do what I do because I think that young people don't see the church as something where there can be joy. Yeah. And I generally, I mean, I'm generalizing, 
but if and I think this is this has to do with Western culture. Yeah, that we we don't put can we can't put the two together. No. We can't say we can be joyful and enjoy belonging in an institution like this. Where if you go yeah. to you know developing countries, like I remember being in Bethlehem and in the Philippines, and the churches are packed with young people. Yeah, because to them it is where they they, they have that sense of yeah. belonging, mm. but also they they they're sharing with their each other yeah they're sharing the that, faith, that journey. faith journey with each other and they're happy yeah. they're happy to yeah. to share it and they were they were so joyful those the masses in bethlehem with the the young people were just beautiful to yeah. be part of and be immersed in yeah whereas i think the church now has moved beyond church walls and it's yeah. now people are young people i mean I'm not young, but I can, I can speak on behalf of some yeah. young people. But young people are finding their church in social, social justice, justice spaces yeah. so true. or um, climate action rallies. That's right. Or, that's right. So, you know, the situation that's happening in Iran, for instance, you, you, you find young people, you know, going out to cities, you know, in Sydney or Melbourne mm. or, and, and speaking on behalf of communities that that's are... That's so true. Uh, persecuted in yeah. a sense or on behalf of women who are persecuted yeah. Yeah. so I think there is that that movement is happening mm. it's just not it may not happen inside a church at where the language is Jesus for instance yeah. Um, yeah. but I still think it's it's transformative action really I, um, I agree I, I agree it's showing it's showing that great commandment of love to yeah, the, those who are more, more marginalised and, and disenfranchised than you yes. are. So it's the marginalised people in the world that we're reaching out to, that all the saints reached out to. Yeah. And that's why they became saints, because they saw a need and they thought, well, this can't happen. Let's do happen. something yeah. about it. Mm. There's an injustice. We have to do something about that. Yeah. And still to this day, there are so many young people who feel the same way yes. Mm. and yes they might not be labeled as christian but that doesn't mean they're not doing yeah. god's work yeah. and mm. and i find that that was another thing that really attracted me with the loretto yeah education was that sense that social justice was really really important yeah. and and we that's how we're going to that's how young people yeah. um, can manifest their faith, practice their faith. And that's, that's been my thinking for years. Yes. Because mm. when I was working on the retreat team for the Christian Brothers, that was, you know, the way that young people tended to express their faith in action. Yes. Was mm. to do something for others. Yeah. And during the holidays... I would spend a week where we would take primary age kids that were in really difficult households and we'd take them on camp for a week. And all these young adults would come out of universities or they were mm. teaching and they had the school holidays off and so they would be their mentors for the week. Yeah. And then every night I would sit with these young adults and speak to them about how they felt about doing what they did today. Mm. And they were challenging because these kids had parents in jail, had drug addicts, and they were really difficult kids yes. and young kids, mm. like seven, eight-year-olds. Mm. 
that we were taking care of for a week. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very powerful experience. In fact, only yesterday I, I said to my daughter, who's 19, I said, you know what, Lauren, you should look into doing an Edmund Rice camp or a St. Vincent de Paul do them as well. Yes. Have kids camps mm. in the holiday. Really transformative, actually, yeah, yeah. when you think about it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Now, in, in um, my conversation with you, you've expressed that your faith is paramount. And that's what, you know, we had this long conversation about what faith means to us both. And I guess we want to know who Helen is. <laughs> We've, we know a little bit about you so far. Um, I guess what makes Helen, Helen, and what do you believe your vocation is, is or who's Helen? Look, it's really hard to yeah, answer that. I, I, know that <laughs> I know probably everyone said the same thing. I went to university thinking I was going to be an economist. Yeah, and um, that'd have been and fun. Then I, and then I studied French, so I thought I'm going to live in France and be an economist. Yeah, that was my dream. Anyway, you that could didn't still happen. Live that dream. If that's <laughs> where you that, not, that did not happen. That's who I thought it's I was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I was like that, which is so far from where I where I ended up. I don't know, it was one, at one stage in my life I realised that I wanted to form young people. Mm. That it was, that I wanted to form them in their faith and I wanted, I guess, to see how their faith can be manifested yeah. into, in, into doing social action, social justice. And like there was that deep, I don't know, like, I don't think I was necessarily privileged. Yes. We, pre we, had, a, we had a hard life mm. growing up. You know, from Lebanon to Australia and then back to Lebanon and then back to Australia when the war started. And, you know, my father died when I was young. My brother, who was disabled, who also died when he was seven years old. So we had a really tough time. Very little money, even though my father came from a wealthy family. Yes. Just like it all went. Mm -hmm. It all mm -hmm. like disappeared. And so we had it tough. So I didn't think I was necessarily privileged. But I still felt lucky. Yeah. And there was, I always kept thinking about people who were less fortunate than, than us. And I, I have this image of being, we had a, ha a house in Lebanon in the four years that I remember being there. We had this house where, this big house, and the door's always open. Yeah. You know, and because we lived in a house and not an apartment, a lot of beggars just come by. Yeah. And they just come into the house, and they—I don't know if you—if that's the case in yeah, in Iraq yes, as well. So yeah. they just come in, and they're usually carrying a baby, and a woman carrying a baby, and it's, um, and they're you know begging for something. Yeah. And and I remember this toddler in this woman's arms um, looked up, and she and she, he, I think, saw my father who was eating a sandwich, mm. just Lebanese bread and zaatar. Yeah, yeah. And. Um, <laughs> Sounds and great. he just went, and the baby just pointed to the, my dad and went, ah, like this. And my dad just grabbed the, pa the sandwich and gave it to, yeah. to the kid. And I was like, for the first time, and like I was eight maybe. Yeah. And I saw this amazing kind of like, it was a simple sandwich. Yes. Taken mm. out of your mouth to give to someone else. And to someone who obviously needs needs it more mm. than my father, and that was the image that stayed with me, that made me realise, oh, okay, so we have to do something about the poor. Yeah, that's so formative. 
such an important. That was it. And I was like, we have to do something about the poor. Yeah. We don't, you know, you don't ignore them when they come to your home um, because they're people made in the yeah. image of God. And yeah. So yeah, and kids look up so, to those things, don't they? Yeah. they? They really observe the behaviour of their parents. I don't know and... why that image has remained with me. I yeah. don't know what it is, whether, I, you know, you know, that formed me from that age. Yeah. But certainly, the you know, obviously growing up and studying and travelling and going to immersions in mm. the Philippines and then Israel and, and, and Palestine especially like seeing the whole Israeli-Palestinian thing and being there amongst Palestinians, yes. amongst the, the Jewish people who are trying for, to work for peace as well yeah. as Palestinians who are trying to work for peace. All that was part of my whole formation that I felt that, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to give back. Yeah. So to me it seems like living through those times, the, the image that, keeps surfacing up for you is that we need to do something about injustice mm. yeah and that's such a Mary Ward thing isn't it yeah, yeah so yeah. really in a sense we embody Mary Ward that's right and, and that's she's right. been with yeah. you the whole time yeah, yeah. even yeah. though you only met her as an adult <laughs> that's right <laughs> only recently yeah and it's it's about yeah it's about that this thing in us that says oh we got to do something yeah we can't let yeah. this happen but that you you know your father's modeling yeah. to you yeah. has obviously led you to this yeah. point to yeah. think. That's right. It was that action mm. where, you know, mom always talked it and 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 my auntie who's a Maronite nun always always yeah. um, talked it as well. This was something that I could touch, something that was really concrete. Not yeah. an abstract the theology of liberation yes. idea, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then that's the thing. It's about I think in, the, in one of the podcast interviews, we talked about theology at the margins. Yeah. So it's, a, it's actually about a theology that goes to the margins and becomes expressive exactly. and embodied rather yeah. than just saying, oh, we're just talking about theology, but it has to actually be manifested to become concrete. Mm. And I, for me, that's what I find mm. Loretta Education does. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it does that very yeah. well, actually. Mm. I think, and I think all, all of, yeah, all of the schools do it so well. And the girls that come out of the schools, and I'm assuming the boys as well in, in yes. Western Australia, have that drive in them. Like, I want to, yeah, I, I want to do more than just be, yeah. A, yeah. be a famous you mm. know, lawyer or whatever. Yeah, I yeah. Do more than that. And that's been my experience with the, with school Loretta I mean I never taught at Loretta schools yeah. or been to Loretta schools but I've been involved in talks and and I find that the girls are very much about mm. we need to do something about yeah. injustice yeah and it's carrying that Mary Ward vision um now with obviously Mary Ward <laughs> we did talk about Mary Ward, which is really nice yeah, um, that's right Mary Ward uh on her deathbed and I, I, we like emphasising the deathbed because I don't know what I would say when I'm dying. <laughs> I'd probably say, give me a Lebanese feast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Mary Ward to her sisters said, let your vocation be constant, efficacious and affectionate. And we are still living those words in, in every space, in every Loreto space, whether it's schools or the mission, but I feel that we live it. What, what do those words mean to you? Let your vocation be 
constant, efficacious and affectionate. I think sometimes you just want to give up, don't you? <laughs> yes. Like, and maybe that's what she was was getting yeah. from her sisters. Mm. You know, she was dying and they probably wanted to give up. I sometimes want to give up because I just feel like, you know, you're not, you sometimes think that you're not getting anywhere. But I think that's what she meant, that don't give up. Yes, yeah. And I think it's about... You know, we talked about theology of the, at the margins or theology of liberation. But I think yeah. sometimes it's theology of the struggle to, oh. and then the, and to continue to make it real and to demonstrate that love. Mm -hmm. Theology of the struggle. That's interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, that okay. it's not all nice. I must have read that somewhere nice because I don't think that's... journey. No. It, it, it's not always a nice journey. No. It is a tough no. journey. Yeah, yeah. And... In fact, it's so tough that, you know, Jesus who spoke against injustice mm. was crucified. Yeah. So that's the level of theology we're talking. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. That it won't, the, the road to justice is, is a, a long road and a tough road, but somehow we need to make it happen because we need to restore relationships um, right. that true. were broken by that's the injustice. True. Yeah. Thank you, Helen. You've been amazing. And thank, thank you. you for letting us come today. And, oh, and do thank it you. It's a space. pleasure having you here at Kirribilli. At yeah. This beautiful place. It's, and, a, it's um, a pleasure for us. We're, we're going to have our lunch facing the harbour. Exactly. And I also noticed Mary Ward's statue faces the harbour. So she that's does. Nice. She does. <laughs> it's a beautiful statue, isn't it? It's just it is. really represents her. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the journey with us. This podcast was developed for Loretto Vocations Week. We want to continue the conversation, so we hope to see you at the next episode.